all about Jesus Christ, God's only Son. Today is all about Him being risen from the grave. He came to this earth and He died. He was the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. He came to buy mankind back from sin and restored a right relationship between man and God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that He took Guess what? It brought us peace. But that chastisement was upon him. And the Bible says, by his wounds, by his stripes that were taken on his back, you and I are healed. Happy Easter. Welcome to church this morning. We're going to kick off a brand new series called Beautiful Things this morning. Glad you guys are with us. What I just quoted there is taken from the book of Isaiah in the 53rd chapter. And the prophet Isaiah spoke this about Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus ever stepped foot on the earth. He spoke this about the coming Messiah, spoke this about the coming Savior, that this is what was going to happen, that out of his wounds, out of his brokenness, out of the pain, out of the agony, out of the junk that he was going to have to endure and go through, God was going to take something out of that and make something beautiful. And I want you to get this this morning. I want you to grab a hold of this this morning, that God wants to make something beautiful out of your life. You've got to believe that, that God wants to take your wounds, that he wants to take your past, that he wants to take your hurts, that he wants to take your failures, that he wants to take your shortcomings, that he wants to take even the things that were unjust and unfair that have happened in your life, and he wants to take that stuff and make something beautiful. So you've got to believe that, that God wants to make beautiful things out of your life. Because here's the deal, most people get discouraged. They get really discouraged with their past, with their pain, with their struggles. And here's what they do with that pain. Here's what they do with that struggle. They allow it to create a ceiling in their life. And that ceiling that they, that they allow to be created in their life is what they think God can and will do in their life. You know, if maybe you prayed for something or you believed for something or maybe you were hoping a situation would turn out a certain way and it didn't turn out the way you thought it would or maybe it didn't happen when you thought it would happen. All of a sudden we pull back and we get discouraged. And that ceiling of how much we really trust God, it gets a little lower. You know, maybe you were a little kid and something happened and all of a sudden that creates a ceiling. It creates a limit. It creates a boundary in your life. I only think that God can go this far with me. Yeah, I see him obviously blessing someone else or he's obviously real to this person or he really obviously loves this person but you know because of my past because of my mess ups because of my junk there's a ceiling and i can only go this far that's how we feel but you've got to understand something that god wants to take all of that all that hurt all that pain all the disappointment and he wants to make beautiful things i remember that whenever i was about 12 13 years old <clears throat> A ceiling got lowered in my life um, because what happened was my dad got laid off of his job. 
and he was a pipe fitter, and so he had to go travel around and look for work, and so he was, uh, he was in the local union there, and so they got him a lot of work, and he traveled around, worked all these union jobs, and he would always tell us things like, oh, I'm going to be home in three months, or I'm going to be home in six months. You know, this job's only going to last a year. I'll be home. During that four or five-year span that my dad was gone and he worked, I may have seen him maybe five times during that, and that was during my teenage years. And I became very angry towards my dad because my dad had always been real instrumental in my life. I remember specifically that every day whenever he'd come home from work, no matter how tired he was, he would always throw the baseball around with me or throw a Frisbee or sit down and play a video game. We had a, a, a video game that he and I liked to play together and we would just always do stuff together. And all of a sudden that, that just gets taken out of my life. And then he's making all these promises about the fact that he's going to be home and, and, and it never manifested. And finally, I got to the point where I got so mad and I got so angry at my dad that whenever he would call, I wouldn't even talk to him. I probably went probably three, four months. Of course, my mom eventually made me talk to him. But whenever he would call, I'd say, I don't want to talk to him because I got tired of getting excited about him coming home and it never would happen. And so I allowed that to create this bitterness and this anger. And here's what else happened. Because I didn't have my father there, I began to look for approval from other men especially like employers. Whenever I, got, when I was 15 years old, I went to go work at a grocery store. And uh, I remember my boss was terrible. He was just absolutely terrible to me. He was, he was just really a, a ruthless boss that just was, he would call me names. He would put me down no matter how hard I worked. It was never good enough. But I so desperately wanted that man's approval that what I did was I allowed him to treat me like junk. I allowed myself to be treated terrible because I was doing anything I could to get this man's approval. I was intimidated. I was scared. And it happened with the next boss. And then it, it moved as I became a youth pastor at 18 years old. I moved into youth ministry. And then I began to look at my pastor as that father figure. And I allowed myself to be treated just very poorly by him because I was looking for his approval. I would bend over backwards to get an approval from a man or to get a pat on the back and say, hey, you did a good job. And it intimidated, I was intimidated, I was scared, I was afraid of confrontation, I was afraid of anything that would cause conflict, I wouldn't even dare step into it. I was so timid and so scared because I didn't want anyone not to like me. And because of that, it lowered the ceiling in my life of how I thought, uh, uh, how I viewed myself and what I thought God could do in my life. It lowered the ceiling and I allowed it to get a bigger and bigger stronghold in my life. And then it became something that was holding me back. It became something that was actually keeping me from being the man that God wanted me to be. It was a thing that was, it made me angry. I was bitter. I was angry at my dad. I wouldn't talk to him. Even as a grown man, because whenever he came back home, he was so disconnected. We never could really reconnect again like we did whenever I was a kid. He just wasn't the same guy. And I would do anything I could to try to hurt him because he hurt me, so I was real ugly with my words. But then God came and really messed up my life. He came and he just so broke my heart over my dad and broke my heart over. I'll never forget what happened. It was at, when I was a youth pastor. He came to one of the services there. And every time my dad would come and hear me preach or anything like that, I would always try to do my best because I would want his approval more than anybody else there. I, I, I'll never forget Whenever he came there, God broke my heart for him. And I just left the platform. And I went down and I just hugged him and I just cried. I was just sitting there just bawling because God had broken my heart and God began to heal 
me from my broken past, from my disappointment, my dad, from the anger, from what I had allowed it to become in my life. And he began to heal me. And then he began to make me stronger. And the things that happened in my past and the things that I had allowed, God took those things and he shattered those. And all of those broken pieces, all those disappointments, all of the lies, all of the hurt, all of the, all of the hurtful words, God took that and he made something beautiful out of it. And he made me the man that I am today because I began to trust him and I let go of my bitterness. And I let go of my need for an approval from man because I began to learn that God approves of me. That God is the one that I should be seeking approval from. I don't have to bend over backwards for a man's approval anymore. Because God loves me. Because God approves me. And guess what, folks? I'm living my life seeking his approval. That's how God can take the broken pieces of your life. And he can make something beautiful out of it. And you've got to believe that. You see, the thing that you've got to get past, though, the thing that you've got to understand, the thing that I've got to come to grips with and come to terms with and understand is that God wants to make you whole. <clears throat> I said God wants to make you whole. Somebody say God desires to make me whole. You see, God desires to make you whole. A lot of people got this jacked up view of God. They think that God is mad at them, that he's waiting behind the, the door with a baseball bat because you blew it and you did something wrong. You said something you shouldn't have done. You went and snuck around and did something you shouldn't have done. You haven't been the model poster boy or poster girl Christian, and God is waiting to smack you good with a Louisville slugger as soon as you come around the corner. And that's how we view God. We think, wham, and all of a sudden, oh, God, oh, God. That's how we feel. That's what we think God looks at us like. We think that God is looking down at us going, sorry, sucker. That's what we think. We've got to get past that, and we've got to understand that God wants to make beautiful things out of your brokenness and out of your past. He wants to make you whole. He wants you to be free. He wants you to understand what love is. He wants you to understand his forgiveness. He wants you to understand his mercy, because here's the secret Listen in real close like I'm about to tell you a secret. Come on, play. Come on, lean in, lean in. Lean in. God is not mad at you. Let me say it a little louder. God is not mad at you. And he's not disappointed. So many of us think that God's grace isn't big enough. We think God's love isn't big enough. We think he can't love me because I've blown it too much. Because I, you don't know how many times I've asked for forgiveness, Pastor. Yeah, your little story that you told, your, your story pales in comparison to my story. Let me tell you about how rough I've had it and how big I've blown it. Let me tell you about the things that happened in my life. Let me tell you the things that happened to me. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care where you're at. I don't care how bad it has been for you. God's grace is big enough. And he's not mad at you and he's not waiting behind the door to smack you. He's not standing up in heaven with a fresh batch of lightning bolts waiting to chunk at you. It's what we think. We think he's got a fresh batch of lightning bolts just ready to... It's not what he's doing. Because you haven't run too far from his grace. You haven't run too far from his love. Can I get an amen, somebody? You see, you can't earn his love. I said you can't earn his love. You can't earn his mercy. 
He is who he is. God is love. You can't earn it. It's a part of his nature, his character. It's who he is. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough for his grace and forgiveness. Oh, I sure would like for somebody to show up in church today. I said you can't earn his forgiveness. <clears throat> a lot of times we have this idea, we have this misnomer that we think that we can somehow earn God's forgiveness. That if we do certain things, that he's going to like us or that he's going to approve of us. And it's that twisted mentality that the enemy wants us to have. It's that same thing that kept me bound, that mentality of I've got to earn this. I've, I've got to earn this. I've got to beg for this. I've got to bend over backwards for this. This is not how this stuff works. You can't earn God's mercy and his forgiveness. You know, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that there's a gold star by my name on the roll in heaven. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there, and I've got a gold star by my name. Oh, win the roll, got a gold star by my name. It's called up yonder, I'll be there. Not how it works. Because I'm a pastor, I don't have a gold star by my name. God doesn't love me any more than he loves anybody else that follows Christ. You know that? You know that? Yeah? Yeah? Just say yeah, or I'm going to keep asking it. God doesn't love me more than he loves anyone else just because I'm a pastor. It doesn't matter how good I've been. doesn't matter. He, he doesn't love me anymore. He loves me just as I am. And he wants me to come to him just as I am. He wants you to come to him just as you are. You see, the Bible says that in Isaiah 64 and 6 that our righteousness, that it's like filthy rags. You see, we're all like unclean things in all of our righteousness. In other words, our good deeds, our good works that we're trying to earn something from God, it's like filthy rags. Now, he wants us to do good deeds. He wants us to do good things, but they don't earn us his favor and his love. You've already got it. Because John 3, 16 says that God, he loved the world before you ever loved him. He loved the world so much that before you even chose him, before you even decided to love him, that he decided before to give his only son. And all you got to do is believe in him and you're not going to perish. You're going to have everlasting life. Isn't that what the Bible says? He loved you first. He picked you first. You may not have got picked first for a lot of things in life, but God picked you first. He chose you before you chose him. He said, I'm going to love you first. And now it's your choice whether or not you want to love me. And you don't have to come to me with any special conditions. You don't have to try to hold your mouth just right or say just the exact right things or go through the right rituals or do all the right things. But no, he said, just come like you are. I love you. You can't earn my love. We've got to understand this. You see, too many people think that simply because they attend church or because they've went through a class or because they've done some type of religious ritual that's made them right with God, and that's not how it works. That doesn't make you right with God. There's nothing wrong with classes. There's nothing wrong with going and, and, and doing rituals and things like that, but it doesn't make you right with God. Testing, one, two, three. I said it doesn't make you right with God. It doesn't make you right with God. You've got to understand that he loves you just as you are. The only thing that can make you right with God is choosing to believe in Jesus Christ and making him the Lord of your life. That's the only thing. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in him. The Bible says that it's a gift, that grace is a gift. You never get good enough to earn a gift. Then it's not a gift, it's a wage. I'll tell you what wage you did earn, the wage of sin and death. The wages of sin and death, that's the wage you and I earned. 
But you know what? Jesus paid for that. He paid it all. He paid our wage and then he gives us a gift. He paid us what we, he paid for what we really deserved. Took it on the cross. <laughs> You've got to understand, it's not anything that we have done or could do that could bring us any closer or any further from the love of God. You can't escape it. You can't outrun it. You can't get to a place where he loves you more than somebody else. He loves you just as you are. But you see, sometimes it's the things that we think, you know, we can never really rise above, the things we, we're never going to get over, that are just going to destroy us. Those, those things that are, we're never going to be able to get past, those limits, those ceilings. Sometimes it's those very things that God uses to make beautiful things out of our lives. It's some of those very things that we thought we were never going to get over. That's why you've got to unlock the potential that God has put in your life by trusting in Him. You've got to unlock that view that you may have had that's been locked up, that's been bound up, that's been limited by the ceiling of what you thought God could do. A lot of us would believe that God can do a lot of things. We believe that He can, you know, bless us, that He can heal our marriage, that He can restore us from a wounded past, that He can help us to get over this situation that maybe we've been dealing with for years and years, that we can get over our loss. We believe He can. We believe God is good and we believe that he can, but a lot of us don't believe he will. We believe in a can God, but we don't believe in a do God. We don't believe in a God that does things. We believe in a God that can. And for some reason, he's up there with his arms folded in heaven going, yeah, well, if you were good enough, then maybe this would happen. I said, no, I'm loving you just as you are. I want to take your past, I want to take your brokenness, I want to take your disappointments, I want to take your hurts. I even want to take the goof-ups and the mistakes that you have made, all of the, the, the poor decisions even that you've made, and the things that happened to you that were beyond your control. I want to take all that stuff, and I want to make something beautiful out of it, because the enemy wants to use it to destroy you, because he's got a plan in mind for you to be destroyed, for you to feel isolated, for you to feel contained, for you to feel bound, for you to be dealing with this emotion and this pressure and this feeling for the rest of your life. He wants you to feel hopeless, but folks, I'm here to tell you today that God is offering you hope, that there is hope in Jesus Christ, and that he loves you right where you are, and he accepts you and welcomes you right where you are. God can take our past and make something beautiful because of his love. I want you to see something here in the Bible. Go ahead and turn to the book of John and the 20th chapter. You see, I want, you to, I want you to see something that maybe you haven't seen before. I want you to grab a hold of this. This is how much Jesus loves you. You see, when he rose from the grave, that's what we're celebrating today on Easter. When he rose from the grave, he was whole, but yet even though when he was risen from the grave and he was whole, he still retained scars. Jesus still retained scars. You, you've got to get that. You see, he rose from the grave on the third day, and he was whole, but yet he retained scars. Let me show you here in John chapter 20 and verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. So here's what's happened is that, you know, all of a sudden Jesus has risen from the grave and, and some of the disciples saw him and they're running to the other guys and they're saying, hey guys, guess what? We saw Jesus. This is crazy. Just like he said, he, he said he was going to rise from the grave. But you know, we, we didn't know that that was going to happen like this. We just, we, now we believe it. It's crazy. You, Jesus is risen. And they're so pumped. They're so jazzed. And they're telling all the other guys about it. 
But here's what Thomas said. He said, listen, guys, that, that sounds, that's a great story and all. But he said, unless I see the hands, his hands and the print of the nails, and I put my finger into the print of the nails, and I put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. You see, this is what Thomas was telling him. He said, listen, guys, I was there. I was there at the cross whenever they put the nails through his hands. I saw that, okay? And I'll tell you what else I saw. I saw when the guard took his spear and just stuck it in Jesus' side. I saw that. And unless, unless he comes and appears before me, that's not good enough. I, I've got to take my finger and I want to put it in that mark there. I want to see where that hole in his hand was from the nail. And I want to see, I want to put my, my hand there in, in that hole. There's got to be a hole there in his side if this is the real deal. I, I've got to do that. Otherwise, I, I'm, I'm not going to believe it. And that's what Thomas was saying. So here's the deal. In verse 26, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. So eight days had passed. And then Jesus came. The doors were shut. The doors were shut. So Jesus didn't open the door. He appeared before him. And he says, peace to you. And he said to Thomas, the first guy he addresses, after he says peace to everybody in the house, first guy he addresses is Thomas. He said, hey, Thomas, Jesus already knew. Jesus had the inside scoop. He knew beforehand that Thomas needed to see. And he said, listen here, hey, Thomas, come here. I want to show you something. He said, take your finger, come here. Take your finger and, and, and look at my hands. I want, you to put, I want you to put your finger in my hands. Come here, let, t- let, give me your hand, Thomas. Come here, take, take your, look right here. Put it in my side. Check this out. Look, look, I want you to do this. <laughs> he said, don't be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered him. He said, my Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, you've seen and you've believed. He said, but blessed are those who they've not seen and they still believe. Here's the cool thing. Think about this with me. Jesus was resurrected, and he retained these scars. But whenever he was on the cross, the Bible says that he was beaten so badly, that he was tortured so badly that you could barely recognize him as a man. So he obviously had other scars on his body whenever he was on the cross, other than nail prints and a hole in his side. He had a lot more than that. He just didn't have a few wounds. He was wounded. He was beaten almost to a pulp where he was almost dead before they even put him on the cross. And then they put him on the cross half dead. And then they keep still torturing him. They still keep beating him. All these things that keep happening over and over again. He wasn't even recognizable as a man, but yet they knew it was Jesus when he appeared. So obviously Jesus did not appear as this beaten form in this beaten body like he was on the cross. He, when he was resurrected, he was made whole. Whenever he was resurrected, he appeared to the disciples whole because they were able to recognize him. They didn't get freaked out because they didn't know who he was. They knew who he was. But yet Jesus chose in his resurrection to retain certain scars on his body. You know, there were gashes. There were all kinds of things probably all over his body. He, he, he didn't He wasn't resurrected with those as far as we know in the Bible. The only ones that the Bible mentions that he had were in his hands and his feet and his side. And those are the very ones that eight days earlier, Thomas had just said, I've got to see. Jesus loved Thomas so much. Jesus loved Thomas so much that he knew what Thomas had said. 
And he wanted Thomas to believe. He wanted Thomas to see. And because of Jesus' love for Thomas, Jesus retained some symbols, some scars from the things that had happened to him on the cross for Thomas. Because what was the first thing Jesus did? He said, come here, Thomas. Come here. I heard what you said eight days ago. I heard what you said eight days ago. Look how much I love you. Look how much I love you. Look how much I want you to come. Look at this, Thomas. Look. You see, could it be? Could it be, church? Could it be, folks, this morning that God can take our scars, that God can take our past, that he can take our hurts, that he can take our bad decisions, and even the things that happened to us that were beyond our control, and he could take something and make something beautiful out of it, something that would not only make us whole and heal us, but something that could offer hope to someone else. You see, I just shared my story with you. I just shared my scars. I just showed you my scars from some things that had happened in my life. I showed you some things that had happened because God can and he will take those broken pieces out of your life and make something beautiful. I showed you some of my scars and how God has healed me and how he made me whole. And just maybe there's somebody in this room today that says, I can identify with that. Maybe you can't identify with my story exactly, but you can say, Pastor, I understand the situation and I understand the feeling because I've been there and I felt that same way. I felt that exact same way and I felt like there's no hope for me and the ceiling has just been lowered and every time I feel like I try to rise above it, my head hits the ceiling over and over and over again and finally I just quit trying. I quit trying to get over it. I just realized I'm going to have to deal with it. This is just a part of my life. This is just a part of who I'm going to be. I guess I'm always going to be dealing with this worry and this stress. I guess I'm always going to be afraid of authority. I guess I'm always going to be seeking the approval of man. I guess I'm always going to be a drunk. I guess I'm always going to be a pervert. I guess I'm always going to be dealing with this issue. I guess I'm never going to get over the death or the loss of a loved one. I guess I'm always going to be hurting. I guess I'm always going to be struggling financially. I keep hitting the ceiling over and over again. And the enemy just keeps trying to lower it and lower it and lower it to squash you. But could it be that God wants to take that pain, that brokenness of your past, all those broken pieces that you've been so busy on the floor, you've been so busy down here trying to scoop them up and pick them up, and you've been trying to do something with it, and, and every time you do, you just make a mess. You ever see, you ever told your kids to go clean something before or do something? Like you tell them, hey, hey, come here, I want you to, to take this Windex, and I want you to go over there and clean this window, and, they, and the Windex bottle is empty, and the one spot that you want to clean is not clean, but everything else is now messy. And you go, oh gosh, it would have been easier if I just did it myself. It would have been easier if I would have just did it myself. Oh, good grief. That's exactly how it is with us and God when we try to fix everything, when we try to make everything. We're trying to, we're trying to go to, to, to this, this psychologist and try this 10-step thing and this 10-step thing, and, and, but the power of God's not there, and, and we're not submitting our lives to Christ. Folks, manly wisdom is great, but let me tell you, it's not going to set you free like the power of God. It's not going to set you free like a life committed to Jesus Christ. It's not going to do it. It's only going to be temporary. And we keep running to the same thing. We run to the bottle. We run to the pills. We run to the, uh, the, to the extramarital relationships. We run to the computer late at night. We run to this. We run to that. We run to food. We run to spending money. We run to credit cards. Anything we can to try to relieve our hurt and our past. All the broken things. And we're trying to just collect them and make something. And it's just not working. It's not happening. It's a, oh God, I'm making a mess. 
And Jesus is just tapping us on the shoulder and he say, hey, why don't you let me make something beautiful out of your brokenness? Why don't you let me take all the broken, hurtful pieces and make something beautiful out of it? Here's the thing. A lot of us are wondering, well, what does it take? What does that require? You know, is there some way I can do that? Uh, you know, is it, is it co- how much does it cost? What's a certain amount of money? I mean, what do I need to do here to make this happen? Because I want that to happen in my life. What does it require? What does it take? It, here's what it takes, folks. Listen real closely. It takes you trusting in him and making the decision that you're ready to move forward with Jesus. That, that's too simple. That doesn't make sense. That's too, that's too easy. It takes trusting in him and making the decision that you're ready to move forward with Jesus. It takes you deciding to leave your past behind and committing to follow Jesus and committing to follow his ways and allow your life to be led by his word, the Bible. That's why we come to church. That's why we study the word of God. That's why you're taught. All these things, it helps us to grow. And as we grow, guess what? We're walking in more and more freedom every day. As we grow, as we take his word, we do something with it. We apply the teachings of Jesus through the Bible. We apply these things in our life. We're submitting our lives to Christ and saying, I, I'm giving up control and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your ways, Jesus. We're walking a little bit more freedom, a little bit more freedom, a little bit more freedom. Then before you know it, we're walking in healing and we're able to share our story. You don't have to go and talk to somebody and tell them how you are an alcoholic and how you've had all these pains and all this problem. You can say, this is what I was. And let me tell you, there's hope for you. You can show them your scars. Put, put your hands right here. Show, let, let me show you. Put, put your hands right here. Let me show you my scars. I'm real, untouchable. You know that's what this world's looking for? It's for some real folks. Looking for some people that can be real with them. Hey, this is, this is my junk. This is my past. This is my pain. Let me tell you how Jesus has set me free. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. But let me tell you, I've been walking through some storms. I, I had a rocky marriage there for a while, and, and we didn't think that things were going to work out. Let me tell you my story. You know, I've been where you're at. I, I've, I've, I've lost someone. Or Let me tell you how God helped me through it, how he helped me to take the broken pieces, and he made something beautiful out of it. Let me tell you how my addiction and my pain and my past. Let me, let me tell you about my dad who left whenever I was a teenager and I allowed it to really affect my life. Let me tell you about how Jesus gripped my heart and made something beautiful out of it. Let me show you my scars. Let me show you my wounds. Let me show you my broken pieces. Let me show you what Jesus can really do with somebody. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways. And He'll direct your paths. You see, it's time to leave the idea of God being angry, disappointed, and looking at you to earn His love and His forgiveness. It's time for you to be set free from the shattered dreams, from the hurtful words, from the event that lowered the ceiling of what you really think that God can do. Because all you have to do is take that first step towards freedom is receiving Jesus and making him the Lord of your life. That's the first step. Maybe that means you need to physically step out of your chair and come down here and declare I'm following him. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to bow your heads all over this place. I just want you to let me know that you're here today. If you say, Pastor Derek, yep, you're talking to me. Yep, you're talking to me. I'm, man, I need, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. Just slip it back up and put it down. In this place, you say, yeah, I need to follow Christ. Put your, I, I see your hands. You can put them right back down. Anybody else? Hands going up all over this place. <clears throat> Maybe you're here and you are a follower of Christ, but you're carrying around the weight of your past. Maybe you're tired of allowing your past and what happened to you 
or what you did to dictate your future. Today is the day for you to make the declaration that I'm moving forward. Today is the day for you to commit to trusting God and moving forward in the truth of what he says about you because he truly can make beautiful things out of your broken pieces. If you're here today and say, yeah, pastor, I need, I need healing from that. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to trust in Jesus. If you raised your hand earlier, you said, yeah, pastor, I want you to pray for, I want you to pray for me. I need to accept Christ in my life. Or if you said, yeah, pastor, I, I'm ready to move forward. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do this morning. I'm going to challenge you to get up out of your chair and to come forward and to just stand up here. If you need prayer, there's going to be people down here offering prayer for a few minutes here. I want to challenge you right now. You can move right now. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't wait for the person next, for you, next to you to come. I'm ready to come now. I'm ready to make a decision. God, you can take the broken pieces and you can make something beautiful. Here's the thing, folks. Jesus said you can come as you are. You don't have to hold your mouth just right. You, there's no prerequisite here. All you've got to do is come just as you are. Just come as you are. He's not mad at you. Would you come this morning? And he's not disappointed. Maybe you've been away from God. His grace. I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to really make a strong commitment to him today. We would love to pray with you. Would you move? Would you come? Don't wait for the person sitting next to you to move. You need to move. That's God's waiting on you to move. He's challenging you to move. Challenging you to move.
but in honor to the Easter Sunday that he is risen, if you would stand on your feet as we dismiss him, just honor the Lord. And to just stay in an attitude of prayer and just thank the Lord that he is risen, that we are set free. Let me just say a prayer over you and then we'll bless you and let you go with the number 6 and 24. Father, just thank you for coming before us. Thank you for changing us, for healing us, for making the brokenness of our life whole, that we can walk forward in your love, in your victory. We thank you that you are alive, that you are risen, and that we are set free in your name. Bless your people, Jesus. Number 6 and 24 tells us, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Blessings to you throughout this day and have an awesome day. The Lord loves you. You're dismissed.
you.